Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. And I, we, we spent our, our lives in churches, well, at least I did, you once in a while did, and until we were in our 20s, and, and the Lord began to show us some things about the spiritual warfare that we are in, and, and that, that changed everything, it changed the, the course of our lives. So it's, uh, I think what the Lord wants to do, um, <clears throat> he, he shared something with me a, a few weeks ago that, that was sobering, to, to say the least, that uh, if, if we, and, and I think he was saying we, and also we in a larger sense of the church, but Specifically, he was speaking to us as we, that if we don't take the battle to the enemy in the heavenlies, and, and the, the great thing about taking the battle to the enemy in the heavenlies is that it is the angelic realm that is fighting the battle. Uh, that's, and that's, that's a really good way for us to have the battle fought. Uh, but he, he said, if we don't take the battle to the enemy in, in the spiritual realm, that the enemy is, is going to take the battle to us in, in the streets. And, you know, I, I think we, we are seeing some of that uh, all over the world. We, we are seeing the enemy take it to specifically the people of God, uh, but not only the people of God. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen more terrorist attacks, uh, and uh, if, if you don't see that as the enemy uh, using people to do his work, uh, that, that is exactly what it is all about. Uh, it, it is not natural... For human beings to cut other people's heads off. There, there is a demonic element at work when, when that is happening. And I won't even go into the other things that, that are happening. But the Lord is calling us to engage in the spiritual battle in the heavenlies. So I, I felt like the, the first part of that for us corporately and as Randy said we we have been doing that on Wednesday nights and these have been the some of the most fun prayer meetings that that I've been in 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 my lifetime in in the last few months here on Wednesday nights so I encourage you to come and see what's happening and and engage in in the battle with us because this is for all of us so uh, I think the first part for us to understand is 
the nature of the enemy and, and sort of the nature of the warfare that we're in. And then we're going to get into more of what, what can we do about it. And some of that is, is even going to be somewhat obvious as, as we understand more about the enemy and his ways and, and his schemes. So, um, I, I started this message last week and I, I got through, I think, point number seven about the enemy. And uh, I, I had a good suggestion this last week. I'm, I'm going to send these notes out with the weekly email this, this next week. So, so you, you don't have to write everything down, although what's in my notes is, is up there. So there's a lot that I'm saying that's not in the notes and it's, it's not going to be in what you get, so you still want, may want to take some notes. So um, I, I've been praying that the Lord would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, because it, it is revelation that changes our thinking and as a result changes our behavior. If, if this is only information, then it, it has some value, but it's very limited value. So I, I pray that this would become revelation to us. So I'm, I'm just going to jump in. I, I told Joy last week I, I made it through page 2 of my notes out of 6. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm not completely optimistic that we'll finish today. And that's, that's okay uh, if, if we don't. So uh, item number eight of what we know about the enemy and his side in this battle. Demons are permitted by God to tempt and deceive people in a limited way but they cannot override human will. We have ultimate choice and responsibility for our actions. Now, a, a couple examples of this. I'm going to start with the second one in Matthew 4, because I think this is important for us to understand. As, as soon as Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, when he was baptized by John, the Holy Spirit took him out into the wilderness where what we're about to read took place. Then Jesus, led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Do you think? And what else? He was physically weak. Because I, I have a sense this is one of those fasts like Moses did on Mount Sinai where there was neither food nor water because he was in the wilderness. And it, it's a miraculous kind of fast. That, that's the only way that a human can survive for 40 days without water is miraculously being 
touched by God. So the tempter came to him, and that's the word used in the New Testament for the enemy, and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And what I... And, and we, we know from the story that Jesus refuted each of Satan's temptations with truth from the Word of God. So that's an important weapon that, that we, we need to recognize. But we, we need to understand that, that Jesus was tempted. And, and, and he was tempted when he was at his weakest. And... Do you think the enemy might use the same strategies on us? Yeah, trying, trying to get us, because he, he knows our buttons. He, he doesn't know everything, but he can observe patterns in, in people. Demons can observe patterns in people. And they, they see that we have certain buttons, and those certain buttons generally result in certain responses on our part. And so they, they try to maneuver us into positions where we are weak and, and where, where he thinks he can tempt us in, into doing what God doesn't want us to do. Fortunately, very fortunately for us, Jesus made it through all the temptations without ever surrendering his thinking or his will or his actions. And, and, and those, that's where we fight our battle. With our thoughts, with our will, and then once our will is surrendered, our, our actions just follow. So we, we need to understand that. And the second passage I wanted us to look at here is 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. What comes before the fall? Pride. So if, if, we, if we think we're strong, look out. If you think you've got everything together, look out. That, that's what Paul is saying here. <laughs> if if you, you think you're in a good place, well, look out. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Meaning the enemy has a limited number of uh, weapons against us <laughs> in, in our thoughts. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Don't you just kind of hate that verse? There's no excuses. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, you've got to like that one. See, the Lord is for us. 
He does not want us to surrender to temptation. He wants us to learn to stand up under it. And, and sometimes the standing up under temptation is difficult and painful. Because our, our will and our pride sometimes don't like the lamb nature of God. I mean, when, when somebody is criticizing us, and especially telling other people what's wrong with us, uh, you know, we, we would like to get in there and bring truth in, into the situation. We, we would like to defend ourselves. Uh, but have, have you been able to stand up under that and, and not defend yourself and let God be your defense? That's, that's, one of, that's spiritual warfare right there. I know that's not a popular one. <laughs> so we'll move on to number nine. The demons are allowed limited influence over natural weather patterns within the Earth's atmosphere. This, this is an interesting one. And there, there is a limit. And we have authority over what the enemy tries to do with weather. So the first one I, I want to look at is the second passage again, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I, I believe what we see here is the enemy trying to destroy Jesus and his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus knew that was not a possibility. They, they did not have permission from God to go that far. So because of his knowledge of, of this... Uh, Jesus was able to sleep in, in the midst of a storm that was so horrible that a bunch of lifelong fishermen were freaking out. And uh, how many times have we taken authority over uh, 
tornadoes, uh, damaging hail, uh, numerous times. Uh, I, I have done this. Others, Randy, Joy, others have, have done this. And uh, yeah, there, there was a story just from last year um, when there was a tornado out west of town and it was headed into town and Randy and I were outside the little uh, second floor exit at the old building uh, sort of watching it out to the west and rebuking it and commanding it not to come into Cheyenne and bring destruction to our city and it just dissipated and uh, a couple days ago or a couple days later one of us I don't remember was having a conversation with someone who was out there and they, they were just watching it and they said yeah, it was it was you know coming right toward us, and all of a sudden it just dissipated. <laughs> and so we had an opportunity to share the power of God. But sometimes uh, the enemy has a little more uh, permission. I, I would say, than, than what we would like. Uh, for example, you remember about three years ago, uh, this hailstorm came through town. And, I mean, that was the worst hail I have ever seen in my life. And we took authority over that thing, and we prayed against it, and my car still looks like a golf ball. Because that hail was big, more than two inches in diameter, some of those hailstones. And lots of people lost windshields, and uh, it was bad. And, and we did the same thing, but we didn't have the authority to stop it that time. And this is bringing us to the second passage in Job chapter 1, after the enemy has uh, begun to come against Job, and, and the Lord gives him some permission to, uh, to deal with Job. And this is what happens. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on all of Job's children, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And I believe in, in, in this case, even if Job had understood spiritual warfare and had commanded that wind to, to be calm, to stop, I think this still would have happened because the enemy was given permission to do this. And, and when we're coming against something that the enemy has permission to do, we, we don't have the authority. And this, this applies primarily to our own life. Where, where our agreement with the enemy 
in our thinking, our will, our actions, has, has given him place, topography, has given him a place to influence us uh, until that agreement is broken, he, he gets to stay. That's, that's really unfortunate. But that's kind of the way it works. Okay, next one. The devil and demons have two main weapons against humans and the church. They accuse and they deceive people to agree with lies. And this is really important revelation for us. Because the enemy is continually uh, accusing you to yourself, <laughs> accusing you before God, and accusing others to you so that you'll be offended at them. This, this is what he wants to do. He, he wants to split relationships, break relationships. He wants to break trust. He wants to uh, stop love. And a lot of the time he does this through accusation. You know, oops. You, you, you know what that person really thinks of you. Blah, 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 blah. Really? Wow. It's a lie. He, he is a liar. If you want to know what somebody else thinks about you, go ask them. And 95% of the time, it, it's going to be better than what you thought. Especially for, for all of us who are, who are the body of Christ. And, and who are learning how to love one another. And, and have grace for one another. Right? But boy, if, if he can get us to buy off and... He, he is relentless at this. If, if there is any tinge of, of agreement in, in your thinking, he, he will just come at you with even more force and, and just, just keep speaking that lie in, into your mind It almost sounds like a lot of the media, doesn't it? Ooh. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to go there. <laughs> but if they would speak the truth, we'd be in a lot better... Well, we won't go there. <laughs> but we, we have got to learn not to listen to that junk. I mean, even if 
there is, and, and, and here is where we can use his strategy against us, against him. Okay? Because he, he brings an accusation against someone else to you. And, and there is maybe the, the slightest increment of, of truth in that. So instead of beginning to agree with, with the whole whopper, forgive that person. And, and pray blessing on that person. And, and the enemy will say, whoa, wait a minute, this is not going the way that it usually does. I'm, <laughs> I need a new strategy. Because <laughs> this one has figured something out. That's, that's the truth. And... And, and that is spiritual warfare. See, this, this spiritual warfare business, it, it's not a, a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, high-level uh, prayer that, that only the 1% of believers can ever make it into. It, it's for all of us. And it's this simple. And, and it's that, this practicing this kind of spiritual warfare as a body that will continue to draw us together. Because man, if, if the enemy brings an accusation against someone to you and you, you forgive whatever increment of truth there might have been in that and you start to pray blessings on them, and, and you ask the Lord for a word for them, and then you deliver it, the enemy's whole plan has completely backfired on him. And in, instead of driving a wedge in, in this relationship like, like he planned, there, there's now a new bond. Because the Holy Spirit has done something. With, with the power of God between two people. And, and we need to practice this spiritual warfare. So uh, a couple passages that, that talk about this. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus is speaking to some of the religious leaders, but he reveals quite a bit about the enemy as well as he is somewhat less than complimentary <laughs> toward these guys. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. I, I love that interpretation. That's from the NIV. <laughs> when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. 
for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. <laughs> that, uh, that, that pretty much says it. He, he lives in the lie. There, there is no truth in him. So where, wherever he is, there, there is darkness and, and there are lies and accusations. Now the other passage is Revelation 12, starting in verse 7. And I think we read part of this one uh, last time. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But, excuse me, he, the dragon, was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. And that is his desire. He, he wants to lead the whole world astray and establish one world government that, that is completely under him and, and his delusions. And that's, that's what we see in the book of Revelation. That, that is the Antichrist system. That's, it's, a, it's going to be a political, economic, religious system that's all intertwined and covers the earth. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And we, that's the, the they, <laughs> we are the they, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the truth of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And those, those are truths that will strengthen us as we approach the end of days. We, we need the power of the blood of Jesus. We need to hang on to the truth of the word of our testimony in Christ Jesus and of each other, each other's testimony. And we need to not be afraid of death. When you read Revelation, it's clear that there, a lot of followers of Jesus are, are going to lose their lives near the very end of days. And we just got to be ready for that. So there's nothing here on earth that's worth risking losing eternity over. 
And I'm sure Jim would say to us, you, you don't want to put off coming here <laughs> at all. <laughs> okay, how are we doing? You guys doing okay? Okay, this next one, I, I probably won't go through all the scriptures, but uh, we have biblical examples of people who suffered from demonic oppression in some specific ways. Uh, first of all, physical sickness. Um, I, I don't know that all sickness is of a demonic origin. If, if you take it all the way back to Adam and Eve, yes, it is. Because if it wouldn't have been for the fall, there, there wouldn't be any sickness or, or disease. Uh, so in, in that sense, yes, he, he is to blame for all of it. Now, whether all of the ailments that we suffer in this life are from a demonic uh, cause, I, I generally don't go that far. Uh, but the Lord is able to heal us of any disease or affliction, whether it's caused by the forces of darkness or not. So, <clears throat> the first example, uh, the only one I'll, I'll share of this, is from Luke chapter 4. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon, now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. And that sounds so much like John Wimber's first healing testimony. After like two years of praying for all kinds of, of sick people and, and the Lord telling him to, to preach this to, to his people and nobody is healed and, and people are leaving the church because they're saying, John, you got to let this go. You got to. And, and he's saying, man, I'd love to, but... I can't. This is what the Lord wants me to do. And finally, his, his own description, he, uh, he's, he's dri driving somewhere and he gets a call. Uh, a guy from church asks him to come over and pray for his wife who's sick and he's supposed to go to a job interview and uh, his wife needs to take care of the kids so he can go. And so John goes and he has no faith for this healing whatsoever, in his own words. Uh, and he goes in there and, his own words, prays some lame prayer, <laughs> lame faithless prayer, I think are his exact words, over this lady. And, and he and the husband leave the room and he's just getting ready to go and chalk up another zero <laughs> on the chalkboard. And... Uh, all of a sudden, the lady is out in the kitchen asking them if they want some breakfast. 
yeah. And, and that, was, that was the beginning of an, an amazing healing ministry that, that this man had that, that went on for decades uh, and, and touched hundreds of thousands of people, uh, maybe millions all over the world. <laughs> uh, but it, his, his obedience, in his obedience, he was paying a price. Uh, and, and that price was, was developing a humility in him that, that would be necessary once the anointing was, was released. And, and so, you know, the, the story of this lady, the story of Simon's mother-in-law, um, the, the fever is rebuked and, and it goes. Uh, was was it demonic? Um, I I tend to think so. When you rebuke a fever, and and it just goes, uh, I, I think that's pretty good evidence that it's a demonic source. Um, in Mark nine, we see an example, and there are uh, plenty of others where physical and mental anguish. Are, are caused by demonic spirits. Uh, Self-injury is, is another one that's listed in Mark chapter 5. Um, inability to speak in Matthew chapter 9. And violence in Matthew eight twenty eight. And I'll, uh, I'll just read that one. So when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demonic-possessed men coming from the tombs met him, and they were so violent that no one could pass that way. And the rest of the story is that they were delivered by Jesus and, and became normal people once again. Okay, number 12, we are, we're getting there. This is, this is something that, that we really need to understand, especially as, as we try to enter the battle in the heavenlies. Because the battle in our minds is a really important battle. But there's a higher battle that, that we're called to. And until we can get some victory in our own minds, we're, we're not really ready to go to the next level. But here, here is uh, point number 12. The kingdom of darkness is organized. Certain ruling demons are assigned over specific places, cities, regions, subcultures, churches, etc. They seek to turn the people against God and to gain increasing authority through the sins and agreement of humans against God and his ways. 
This curtails the flow of blessings and brings forth the curses of Deuteronomy 28. This, this is a, an important piece of information for us. The, the enemy's uh, forces are organized, and, and there is a chain of command. There, there is a structure. And on God's side, the angels appear to have a similar structure and organization. There, there are only, I think, three angels that are named in the Bible. And one of them is Lucifer. Uh, so there, there are some real high-level angels as well. But I think what, what we're going to see as, as we approach the end of days, and this, this is out of necessity, is, is we are going to see more structure and organization even among the people of God. That, that, is, that is going to be necessary for us to wage the war on the earth that the Lord wants waged. And it's, it's going to take surrender and submission on the part of God's people for, for this to take place. Jesus is the head of the church. He, he is our commander-in-chief. And, and our lives should revolve around what he wants us to do. And, and too frequently, our, our lives revolve around other things. Our, our own desires, our own plans. And... Uh, the Lord is, is in the process of changing that for those who want it changed. Because he won't impose his will on us either. <laughs> it's it's got to be voluntary. That's how we get in, it's how we go on. So, <clears throat> let's... Let's look at a couple passages uh, that relate to this. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, beginning in verse 12. And this, this is an angel speaking to Daniel. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So, it's, it's not the physical king of Persia 
that's detaining this angel. Okay? <laughs> that, that would be kind of laughable. Because <laughs> I, I don't think that we're really much of a match physically for angels. <laughs> so it was the ruling spirit, the ru ruling demonic spirit over Persia that was detaining this angel from getting to Daniel with the answer to his prayer. And, and the Lord had to send, I mean, obviously the, the prince of Persia, demon, was, was a pretty powerful demon. Because the Lord sends Michael to, to help this other angel. Uh, so, and then he gets through. But, but it gives us some insight into the workings of the kingdom of darkness. And Paul also gives us some insight in Ephesians chapter 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Paul kind of lists it out there, uh, some of the different levels that exist in the kingdom of darkness. There are rulers, there are authorities, there are powers. And they are our spiritual enemies. Uh, let's see. So, the other part of what I said, they, these, these organized demons, they, they seek to turn people against God and, and gain increasing authority through sins and agreement of humans against God and his ways. And we know that Eve and Adam, when, when they sinned, they essentially handed the authority for the earth over to Satan. And it, it continues to work in a similar way for for us, uh, <clears throat> as as we hear the lies of the enemy, our our thinking agrees and says, "Yeah, I think that's right." And then our our will says, "Okay, well if that's true, let's let's do it." And, and our action, then, gives more authority and more ground to the enemy. So, I mean, what, what's happening in, in our country is, is, is kind of like a, a snowball that started at the top of a big hill that was rather small and 
somebody pushed it to get it moving and it's it's just it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger because there there's just more and more agreement with the enemy going on and now we're we're calling good evil and evil good and and that's that's becoming the norm and and that's exactly what the enemy wants cuz is it man if he if he can get people thinking in that way that oh man these christians they're just a bunch of intolerant hateful people who want to impose these uh, meaningless rules on everybody else and you know the rest of us we're we're just good and and we we like everybody and, and we're we're for everybody and we just want everybody to be able to do whatever they think they should do or want to do and you know we're we're just all nice except for these nasty hateful people over here and and if he can get a whole culture thinking like that and he's got it. Then the the blessings of God, man, there that funnel is just it's getting smaller and smaller. And the the door is wide open for all the curses of Deuteronomy 28. And and that's exactly what the enemy wants. He 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 just he loves destruction and uh, murder and and hate and violence and and pain and uh, he he just wants more and more of it. Uh, so we, the people of God, how do we fight this stuff? Well, like I said, the first thing is we we fight the battle in our mind. No, that is not the truth. I do not agree with that. And I, I take that a little bit further. I, and, and if nobody's around me, I, I speak it right out loud. I rebuke the source of that thought, and I command you to get away from me. And, and we, we begin to identify, to love the truth, and embrace the truth more and more. And, and we become individually uh, a funnel for the kingdom of God and for blessing to come on the earth. And, and that primarily comes through our agreement with God's truth, through our obedience to what he says and, and his ways, and, and then also through the supernatural, through the breaking out of, of the kingdom of heaven through us when we minister to other people. And, and then, then we get more of the kingdom of heaven coming in and, and mixing with <laughs> all, all the other stuff. But the kingdom of heaven is more powerful. So we, we don't need a majority 
to have a huge impact. But, but we need to be operating under the chain of command of our side in, in this warfare. Because otherwise, you know, we're, how effective would an army be if everybody in the army, uh, you know, they, they wanted to defeat the enemy, but, but they all just did whatever they wanted to do. Um, Art, you probably got the most military experience. That, that, that would not be very effective. Because... <laughs> Strategic battles are won through the, the strategic uh, placement and use of resources. And, and, and we, the people of God, we, we are some of those resources. So if, if, if we want to see God win some significant victories, and, and we do, Right? Then, then we need to let Jesus be the commander-in-chief through the Holy Spirit in us, and, and we, we walk out and we do what he says. And, and I, think, I think then we, we will begin to see some turning and, and some, some changing. And, and we, we will see the kingdom of heaven break out in more power. And, and that, that will be glorious. So, you know, we're, the, the battle is intensifying. That's, that's one of the reasons for the timing of, of this message, I think, or these messages, uh, that, that we have to understand that uh, our engaging in in the battle personally is is becoming more and more important because the the Lord really needs his own army to to rise up and and begin to operate under under his direction under his authority and and that is when we will will truly begin to engage the enemy in in the heavenlies and and as as we see victories in in the heavenlies we and you know i i even need to define the use of of that term the the heavenlies because there's uh there are three heavens okay there there is the heaven where God dwells, and that is the highest heaven. And then there is the second heaven where basically the, the battles, the spiritual battles take place. And, and then there is the atmosphere that, that we live in, and, and that, is, that is the lowest level of, of the heavens. So as, as we engage and we win the battles in, in our own atmosphere, <laughs> in, in our own space, our own presence, then we, we begin to be equipped to enter the battle in, in the second heaven. And, and there is no battle in the third heaven. Uh, God rules and reigns from the third heaven. 
And it's, it's just a matter of time before he takes the, the enemy out and places him in his final place of judgment and destruction. But there, there is a reason for, for the enemy's existence on the earth, and it is for us. Because if, if we did not have an enemy, what would move us out of passivity? And, and, and what, would, what would move us to get to higher spiritual heights? We, we would just be content to, to live in, in the goodness of God watching TV and eating bonbons. And too much of the church is involved in that anyway because they don't really believe there is anything for them to do in, in this battle that all they have to do is survive until something they believe in called the rapture, and, and then God's going to take us all out of here, and then, then we are going to have that truly good life without an enemy and where we won't really have to do anything. Well, that's not true either. There, there is going to be work for us to do in, in the new heaven and the new earth. Do, do, do you want to rule with Jesus? Or are, are you content to uh, make it by the skin of your teeth? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the parable of, of the ten virgins it is really important for us today. Because when, when you look at that parable about the, the ten virgins who were waiting for the bridegroom, only five planned ahead and had lamp in their oil, or oil in their lamps. And, and they, were, they were ready when the bridegroom came. The, the others, they, they had not ordered their lives in such a way as to be ready. And, and when the bridegroom came, there was a wedding feast, and, and what happened to those people? They, the door was closed. And, and they, they came, presumably after they had gotten oil, in their lamps, and they, they came and they knocked on the door and they wanted to come in, and they, they were not allowed to come in. See, this is not something that the church talks about very much. We, we all kind of think that uh, the bride of Christ is, is composed of the entire church. Well, 
Is it really? You know, there's, there's another parable about the great banquet that, that gives a little more detail. And and I, I, I somewhat hesitate to speak this because I'm still studying it myself and I don't really like to share things that I'm not completely convinced of yet but I'm becoming pretty well convinced of this. Yeah, Matthew 22, the parable of the wedding feast. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid him no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. See, the, the bride, according to Revelation, is, is made up of those who have made themselves ready. And, and the Lord, in, in His mercy... Uh, he he gives invitations to us to to get ready to to be ready and 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 those those invitations they they seem to get more intense uh, louder. <laughs> Uh, as as we approach the end of days, but but still the Lord, as as demons cannot override our will, the Lord will not override our will. And and it's our choice. Um, 
we, we can remain essentially unready. In, in our salvation. Or we, we can choose to, to hear the, the invitation of the Lord to, to be ready, to, to get ready, and, and be invited into the wedding feast. You see, I, I alluded to something last week, and excuse me, I was I was talking about my nephew, who he and the girl that he lives with they they say they are believers. They they say they have have accepted Jesus, uh, but yet they're they're living in a lifestyle that Paul says. If you're in this lifestyle, you're not going to inherit the kingdom. And so, there apparently is a difference between, well, we could say between eternal life and salvation. Or we could put it another way, between salvation and inheriting the kingdom. Can, can someone be saved and, and not be invited into the millennial kingdom? There, there sure seems to be some, some biblical basis for that kind of understanding. Now, how that will all play out through the millennium, uh, I don't understand. Uh, like I said, I haven't fully gotten to what I would call the bottom of this, <laughs> or uh, I, I don't fully understand um, everything that the whole Bible alludes to in this. But, I, I mean, our God is a God of justice. And is, is he going to uh, give, give the same benefit to, to the five virgins who have their lamps filled with the oil of his presence as, as he would those who are indifferent to his presence. Well, I, th I think that parable of the ten virgins would, would say no. I, I think the parable that I just read to you would say no. Uh, see, nobody's taught me this stuff. I'm, I'm trying to dig it out. But the, the bottom line is, there's, there's going to be a reward to those who hear the voice of the Lord in, in these days 
and, and say, yes, Lord, I, I am going to run after you with abandon because you're the only thing that's worth pursuing on the earth. And, and if I can um, order my life in such a way as, as to do that, and, and I'm not saying I have, okay? I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> as much as it depends on me, I'm, I'm trying, but I'm more important than that. I'm asking the Lord to, to bring it about in me. So, so that I am one of those whose lamps are filled with oil when it's time for the wedding feast. And, and I, I really want all of you to join me. So a, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, I, I shared that, that the Lord was confronting me in, in kind of a, a similar way as, as he did 30 years ago, 31 years ago. And all, all it took for me back then was to keep saying yes to him. And, and, and he brought me into great blessing. And I don't want to miss it <laughs> this time around because the stakes are way higher. I mean, the stakes were high then, but eternity is, is as high as it gets. So... You know, we, we, we've got to engage the Lord. Uh, we, we've, we've got to seek Him like we never have. Uh, Phyllis, what, you remember that word you had Wednesday night? Pardon? Mm -hmm. Can you share what you can remember about the birthing? What God wants to do, but we're not ready. I really felt that God was releasing his burden. And there, that there's going to be a birthing, but we're not ready for what's coming here. And God's wanting us to get into place um, and position ourselves to be ready. Yeah. <clears throat> the Lord wants to release his kingdom here in, in a way that I don't know if any of us have have seen or experienced, but but we're not ready. 
And, and he's got to birth this, this thing. And frankly, this, this is what I've been pursuing for at least the last 20 years. And we're close. <laughs> and I don't want to blow it now. And my prayer has, has been that. And my prayer to the Lord for the last 15 years or so, uh, after I completely missed uh, the beginning of the vineyard and uh, everything that John Wimber was, was doing and so much of what God was doing in, in America and on the earth, and I... When I realized that I had missed all that, my prayer to the Lord was, God, I don't want to miss what you're doing. I, let me be on the cutting edge of, of what you're doing in, in my generation. And, and so I, I've been pursuing that. And, and sometimes I've gotten tired, and, and sometimes I've gotten a little bit off track. And I'm, I'm, I'm back pursuing it <laughs> uh, as, as much as, as I know how and as, as much as I can. And the, the only way that we can position ourselves for something of the magnitude that God wants to do is, is for us to go low. Is, is, is for, for us to humble ourselves and, and for, for us to... Uh, <clears throat> I, I want to read this one thing um, from uh, John Dawson who has written a, a couple books that have really impacted me. And, and this, this is the time for, for this, the, the rightly prioritized agenda of a true follower of Jesus should be personal repentance and holy living. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit to seek the things that our Heavenly Father wants on the earth through united prayer, revival of the church, spiritual awakening among those who have yet to be born again to the reformation of society and international missionary work. This is the historic path of renewal. Each generation must choose it or leave the next generation in worse condition than it inherited. If, if somebody doesn't rise up somewhere and pursue God with, with everything they've got, what, what is the next generation going to inherit? Uh, that's, that's where we are. And, and it's a war. 
So, I don't know where God is going with this exactly. I, I don't know what this is going to look like. I, I don't really care. I, I just, I, I want him to do it. And, and it's, it's just going to take a, a people to receive his burden and, and just go for him. So, Father, I, I thank you that you're for us. You, you want us to get there <laughs> more than we want to. I thank you for that. I, I thank you for second and third chances. Just like in, in the parable, you, you kept sending servants to, to speak to your people. And Lord, I, I pray that we would be a people who just keep saying yes to your invitation. Remove the no from us. God, demolish our idols. Lord, we, we don't want there to be any question about our destiny with you. We... We want to be the bride who has made herself ready. We want to be the young women whose lamps were full of oil. So Lord, I, I ask you to take us lower. I pray we would humble ourselves so you wouldn't have to. I pray we would seek you like we never have. Lord, I ask for a release of your burden in our hearts. Ask that you'd release hunger and thirst in our hearts. Lord, prepare us. Lord, we, we want to see you birth something here. And not for our sakes, but for, for the sake of the city and, and beyond. 
So, Lord, move on us for the glory of your Son.